The message tonight will come more from the context of this chapter and of this book than it will the actual text, though it is representative of what goes on throughout the book of Judges. It's a message tonight I want you to think with me for the first 15 minutes, and I think I'll not be very long at all in preaching, but a very important message as I preach this subject, choose your weapons. Choose your weapons. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless in the preaching of your word. I pray that the truth would be understood, and Lord, the scripture would be understood in both the text and the context, and Lord, that it could be applied to our lives individually, to our marriages, to our homes, to our church, and Lord, even to our nation. Speak to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. The book of Joshua comes just before the book of Judges, and the book of Joshua tells us of the conquest of the people of God in the land of Canaan. It was a land that was prepared for God's people. It is a land that was called a land of milk and honey. The people received their inheritance, inheritances, and there is a great joy and gladness. There is a great wealth and blessing found throughout the book of Joshua. An amazing statement in one of the last verses of the book of Joshua says, chapter 24, verse 31, And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua and which had not known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. The land of Israel was as pure and as powerful, as blessed as it would ever be as we go through and conclude the book of Joshua. When you come to the book of Judges, the people are now settled in their land. There's never an opportunity, never an opportunity. There's never been a land of opportunity like the land of Canaan provided uh, uh, as it did for the people of Israel as they went into that land to become the greatest nation this world would ever know. But in the book of Judges, there's much turmoil. And it reminds me of the world and the culture that we live in today. In fact, Joshua and Judges reminds me very much of American history. If you take the book of Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, it would summarize, if you outline those books, it would summarize not only the nation of Israel, it would summarize America as a nation. In the book of Judges, there are some very exciting victories by the people of God. There are stories that we enjoy reading. There are stories that we enjoy preaching. For example, to tell the story of Shamgar and how he took an ox goad, just an ox stick that you would move the oxen forward. He took an ox goad and with it, 
he killed 600 of the enemy in Judges chapter 3, verse number 31. You go to chapter 4 and you find Jael. What a story. I mean, nobody could outdo the story of Jael. As the captain came in and asked if he could rest in her tent, she said, you not only can rest in the tent, I'll give you some milk to help you sleep well. When he went to sleep, she took a tent peg. She put it on the side of his temple while he was asleep. And she took a hammer and with a mighty blow, drove that tent peg through his head into the ground and rejoiced that she had taken out an enemy captain of the enemies of God. What a great story if you like that kind of story. <laughs> the story that's in chapter 4. The story is in chapter 4. We have the story in the book of, Judge, in, 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 in the book of Judges chapter 7 of Gideon. Gideon defeated the Midianite army. I'll not go through all of it. He started with 30-some thousand soldiers, which was not enough to fight against the host of the Midianites. But God said, you have too many. Tell everyone that's afraid to go home. And by the time God is finished narrowing down the numbers, he has 300 men. It would be my opinion to make each of them well-trained quiet snipers. They weren't given a gun and they weren't made snipers. They were given a lantern in one hand that was covered and they were given a trumpet. And at the sound or at the signal of Gideon, when he would cry, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, they would break that lantern so the light would come on 300 at the same time they would take a trumpet, lift it to their lips, and they would give a mighty blast on that trumpet. That's the last thing I would have done. But that's what God had them to do, and they defeated the host of the Midianites. That's a great victory in the book of Judges. It's an exciting story. Samson slaughtered 1,000 Philistines in one battle in Judges chapter 15, and he used the jawbone of a donkey. I mean, he just took the jawbone of what once was a plow animal or a beast of burden, and he took that jawbone, and he killed a thousand Philistines, a thousand of the enemies, one man at one time. What a victory. All of these are exciting stories. All of these are exciting victories in the history of Israel in the land of Canaan. They're all stories that we enjoy reading, teaching from, and preaching from because they're not only great victories. We see how that God can take a person, yielded to him in faith, and it's not the tool or weapon that he uses, but it's the mighty power and presence of God that enables him to win a great victory. There are other similar victories, and I would put David in his slingshot killing Goliath in that crowd of Israel fighting against the enemy. The one problem that we often overlook is that most of these battles and conflicts that they fought were not even necessary. You see, the reason these battles came is because the people did evil in the sight of the Lord. 
And when they would do evil, God said that he kept these nations. And the reason I chose this text to read, he kept these nations in the land of Canaan. So when Israel disobeyed God, they would then challenge the people of Israel and drive them to the realization, you can't live, you can't survive, you cannot thrive without faith in God. And every time you go into sin, I'm going to activate one of these armies, one, uh, a part of the enemy. There were seven nations greater and mightier than the people. They should have defeated all of them in the book of Joshua. And they did defeat them mostly. And they did live in the will of God mostly through the days and death of Joshua and those that overlived him. But as you go through the book of Judges, you'll find this statement. Look at chapter 3, verse number 7. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot or forget the Lord their God. The Bible says that in chapter 2, verse number 11. Chapter 3, verse number 7. Chapter 3, verse number 12. Chapter 4, verse number 1. And the people did evil in the sight of the Lord. Chapter 6, verse number 1. Chapter 10, verse number 6. Chapter 13 and verse number 1. And every time they would do evil, God would raise up one of their enemies and their enemies would inflict great pain and casualty on the people of God would steal what they had and eventually someone would raise up and win a battle against the enemy. Are you still with me tonight? In our lives, there are often battles and conflicts that come our way that are not necessary. They should not come in our life. But they are sent to us by the Lord to remind us, you can't have victory alone. Victory comes by faith in God. Just as in the book of Judges, these armies would raise up to attack and fight and kill the people of God and then God would eventually allow someone to win a great victory. That victory would carry them for a little while. There's one mention of 40 years, other mentions of other time. And then they would forget God, the same thing would happen again and again. God would allow them to choose a weapon. The weapon was really useless and it was no use except God used it because of the person having faith in God. Shamgar chose an ox goad. Jael used a hammer and a tent peg. Gideon took 300 men with lanterns and trumpets. Samson chose the jawbone of a donkey. Which weapon do you choose tonight? The weapon I want to choose is faith and obedience to God. I'd rather not have a battle than to win the battle. Some may prefer doing as they will and winning a battle or a victory with an ox goad or a hammer, or a tent peg, a light and a trumpet, a jawbone of a dead animal. The truth of the, the truth of the of the, of the books are, rather than choosing a victory now and again, why don't you just choose to live in victory by being obedient 
to the will of God. Rather than allowing an enemy to come, why do we have to fall down to be reminded we need God? Why do we have to get knocked down to be reminded we need God? Why do we have to go bankrupt to realize we need God? Why do we have to allow an enemy to attack and destroy our nation before we realize we need God? Folks, we need God in peacetime to keep us out of wartime. As you go through this book, you'll find the people of God lost so much prior to each of these battles. I mean, Gideon, he was hiding behind the threshing floor. He lived in fear. They were just getting enough food to survive. They were in survival mode. They were living in fear. And finally, God used Gideon to win a battle and to change the direction for just a little while. But I fear tonight that's exactly where America is in this matter of revival. We're satisfied to win a few miraculous victories, but we're not seeing widespread revival because we just want one man to win a victory rather than all of us just doing right, getting right with God, and living a life that's pleasing to Him. I'd rather have the testimony of the book of Joshua where there were less battles than the triumphs of the book of Judges where battles came that were not necessary. I want you to think about it. They came through the wilderness. There were snakes already in the wilderness, but they didn't bother the people until they complained. I don't know about you. I just soon not complain and never see a snake. Then for a snake to remind me not to complain. Does that make sense tonight? I'd rather the snakes stay behind the rocks and me never see the snake than for a snake to bite me and say, you need to stop complaining and start thanking God for his goodness. You could still be a slave. You could still be lost in your sin. Oh, but thank God, I'm not lost in my sin. I'm not a slave to the devil. I'm not a slave anymore. I'm saved by the grace of God. And I'd rather travel in the wilderness with God providing manna in the day and water from the rock than to live a life complaining before God. In chapter 3, you find there are five lords of the Philistines, and then you'll find the king of Moab is called the Lord. Verse 25. You'll also find, and more importantly, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, meaning Jehovah God, named 15 times in these 31 verses. And that lets you know which Lord you ought to trust in. It lets you know which Lord is really in charge. You see, as God executes His divine will... He never violates human choice or responsibility. However, God does rule and overrule in the affairs of individuals and nations to accomplish His great purpose on this earth. You see, history is His story. That's what it is. Uh, take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 24. Throughout the Bible, they recognized that when you obeyed God... Life went a whole lot better. Why do we have to fall down and get hurt before we trust in God? Why do we have to have those reminders? Could tonight's sermon be a reminder? Let's just live right this week and avoid the snake bite from complaining. Let's just use the message tonight as a reminder. Stay out of the world of sin. Stay out of the wickedness of the world and stay in your walk with God. 
and avoid. You may say, I defeated the enemy. I'd rather say, boy, God brought peace in my life this week. I'd rather live in peace than fight battles that are unnecessary. God is in control. You understand these seven nations, they were greater and mightier than Israel, but they were not greater and mightier than God. They were used as pawns in God's hand. Are you listening to me? They were used as pawns in God's hand. God used them to get the attention of his people. Some folks are more afraid of the enemy than they have fear of an almighty God. If we had fear of an almighty God, we wouldn't have to worry about the enemy. Here's what the church said in Acts 4, 24. When I get, get over there, I've been preaching and I haven't been turning my Bible. Luke, John, Acts chapter 4, go down to verse number 24. Notice what they recognized. And when they heard that, now what they heard was you can't preach here anymore. They're threatened, they're told they're turned loose, they said, don't, 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 don't preach here anymore. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Half the battles that we're in... We're there because God doesn't have our attention like he wants to have it. The snakes bit the people because they're not supposed to complain. They're supposed to praise the God of heaven. You go through the book of Judges, one attack after another came because of their disobedience to God. When you go to the book of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, you find John is speaking to the third generation from Christ and they had shifted from a simple faith and the wisdom of God to compromise with the world. And John said to that third generation, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For the things of the world, he went on to say, they're going to pass away. Don't get on a ship that's going to sink. Don't invest in an investment that's going to fail. Put your life in Christ and put him first and seek first the kingdom of God. That's the message throughout the scripture. The tribe of Judah was not able to hold on to key Philistine cities that they had taken. Judges 1, 18. Judges 3, verse number 3. And as we saw, and as you'll read in chapter 1, the other tribes failed to conquer the Canaanite nations. The surviving nations adopted a good neighbor policy toward Israel that eventually it sounded good in the beginning. Just be kind to everybody. Sounded good in the beginning, but it defeated Israel not from without, but they were defeated from within. 
By the way, God could have just judged Israel for sparing these wicked nations in the land. He could have just said, I'm finished with you. And he could do that with you and I. But he spared them because he had a purpose for them to fulfill. And he spares your life and mine because God has a will for us to fulfill. Let's not waste our energy. Let's not waste our fight. Let's not waste our time in unnecessary battles by stepping out of the will of God. I say we can choose our weapons. But before you look at the ox goad, look at trying to prevent that battle. Some years ago as we started talking about church security and we had heard of active shooters and it still happens from time to time. I sat down with Brother Hazlett and I said to him we need to devise, devise a security plan for our church in the event we have an active shooter. And he made this statement I'll never forget it. He said preacher we will put together a plan in the event of an active shooter. But what about this? Let's put together a plan to prevent having a shooter. I said, boy, that's a whole lot better. That's a whole lot better. You see, I'd rather prevent a problem than to be the hero, but somebody have to lose their life in the process of me being a hero. You understand what I'm saying? And so we do have plans inside and outside that we work to prevent problems from happening on the inside. First thing I'd do if a problem happened on the inside is hit the deck. Too many women around here carry guns. But anyway. <laughs> but I think it's a whole lot better to prevent the problem. How many agrees it's better to prevent the problem? I'd rather have the testimony that we prevented the problem than we took care of the problem. That's exactly what the book of Joshua and Judges is about. If you want to have an ox goad victory and defeat 600 and lose 2,000 so you can be a hero, that's all right. I'd rather prevent the problem. I'd rather live in revival than have an occasional victory. That's what he's saying. Isn't it amazing that America won? Let, let, let me back up. Isn't it amazing that these Jews, when they were freed slaves from Egypt with nothing but a faith in God, defeated every single enemy they faced. Then when they had a trained army, they could not adequately defend their great possessions in the land of Canaan because they didn't wholly walk with the Lord. At one point, less and little defeated great power. Then, greatness and strength could not defeat even a threat. Isn't it amazing that America won the war for independence with very little manpower, very little military might or machinery? And we did win the war for independence. We did. We became the greatest nation on earth this side of the nation of Israel. And when our nation depended on God, we were a great nation. Sadly, tonight, America is the laughingstock of much of the world. I don't know about you, but it boils my blood that China mocks us. And that Russia mocks us. 
There are congressmen and women sitting in Congress today that shame what America once was. Our school system mocks our history. Why? We've sinned against God and we're paying the consequences of it. We're satisfied to win a few ox goad battles. We're satisfied to win a few jawbone victories. We're satisfied to win a few hammer and tent peg battles that we crow about all the while our nation is going to hell. We need to decide we don't want to win a single victory. We want to have a wholesale revival in our nation. We don't need just a church, a preacher, a few churches or preachers winning a few victories. We need to see a nation come back to God. In our nation, we don't want to be moral or teach morality anymore. We don't want to teach character and live by character. We don't want to yield to authority or live by any rules. We don't want to give up our immorality for morality. We don't want to give up our drunkenness for sobriety or our vulgarity for a clean vocabulary. We'd rather have drag queens in the common sense of nature. We'd rather have covetousness than satisfaction in Christ. We'd rather have lasciviousness rather than temperance. We'd rather have rock music than righteous music. We'd rather have lewd behavior than decency. And the Super Bowl is more about lewdness than it is about football. We don't want to give up our immodest dress for modesty. We don't want to give up our pleasure and entertainment for faithfulness to church on Sunday. We don't want to give up our unholy alliances for friendship with the people of God. We don't want to give up our friendship of the world for a friendship with God. We're satisfied with a few giants killed and a few miracle victories now and again when what we ought to desire is to live in victory and have a wholesale revival across the nation. We have a few political leaders who are Christian, especially when it's convenient. But there's very little move toward repentance and revival. Very few political leaders that would push America back to God. I'll say it again. I'd rather have revival lived in the book of Joshua rather than the miracle victories that were experienced in the book of Judges. There are those that desire the blessings that come from those that live in obedience to the will of God but do not want to live and surrender to the will of God personally. How many times I've seen people leave the church, leave the simple wisdom of faith and obedience to God and to fellowship with and to compromise with the world just as Israel did with the people of Canaan and the results that happened in Canaan happened in their lives. Don't we, don't we have enough sense to look at the word of God and say, that's what results are from living that kind of life and that's the blessings from living that kind of life. I choose my weapon. I'm going to live right with God. These statements and I'm finished. Study the surrender of Joshua in 24:15. Study the surrender of Joshua. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Number two, be satisfied with a simple life of faith in God. Quit questioning the Bible and start obeying the Bible. Quit, quit, quit talking about all of, the, all of the foolish and vain babblings about the Bible and just start reading the Bible and practicing the Word of God. Number three, don't be fooled by the imaginary and artificial gods of the world. 
those that chase money and catch it typically are no more satisfied after they catch it than they were when they began the chase. Don't begin the chase of fame and recognition for those that make the chase of fame and recognition once they find it, they find, as Solomon said, it's vanity. Number four, and last statement, let God's value book of life be your guide for things to seek. You ever have a coin, you look at it and you think, I wonder if that's worth anything. I've done this before. And I got me a coin value book. And I started looking through it. I was matching the numbers. And I looked, it was worth a million, 500,000, million, 500,000. I kept going down the line, kept looking at the number, going down the line. Only paid $15 for it. And there I see the value, a million, 500. Then I go down and I finally find the number. And I find the, and I find in the value book worth $1.50. A lot of folks chase the world thinking they have something valuable. They never look in the value book and realize your marriage is worth a lot more than the things of the world have to offer. Your relationship with your children is worth a whole lot more than the things the world has to offer. Your walk with God is worth a whole lot more than the things the world has to offer. Here's the message. Choose your weapon. I don't want to have a victory of an ox goad and a jawbone of a donkey. I want to have the victory that Joshua had who lived in revival because he walked with God. Stand with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for every victory we have.